What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain, Marty Skrull, and you are listening to Beyond... No, sorry, what was it? (laughs) Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to Behind the Gorilla. Um, well, hopefully everyone's doing okay, because it's, uh, you know, the world's ending. And, um, <laughs> uh, or, 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 you know, if you ask anybody, apparently. Um, so that's, you know, that's what's going on. We're all nice and... Now, everyone keeps saying quarantined. Nobody's been quarantined, at least not here. Nope. Like, I know there are some parts of the country... That are, I think there's parts of New York and a few things. And I think like when you, te- if, if they find people test positive or whatever, I'm sure they quarantine them. But as far as like the country goes, there's not a quarantine uh, officially. Right. Well, it's more of like a suggestion of don't go out necessarily if you don't have to. Well, what's happening is it comes in, it, it comes in waves, right? Like everyone, just from what I've been reading about other parts of the world, too, authorities are like, hey, there's a super contagious disease out there, but you're on like a 10-day timer once you catch it, and you don't know for 10 days whether or not you have it. So everyone should just stay home. And then all the yeah. sporting events looked at one another and said, well, okay, I guess if you guys really want to, like they were playing this game of chicken as to whether or not they were going to cancel anything. And then one NBA team was like, yeah, well, we'll just we'll play our games with empty arenas. And then everyone else was like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Empty arenas. And yeah. then one person got it, like, on one of the teams, <laughs> and they were like, all right, well, that's it's it's all done now. Shut the whole thing down. Yeah, yeah. You know, now they're in quarantine for two weeks, and their teammates probably have it, so they're in quarantine for two weeks, which throws off the entire schedule. So all the leagues right. started canceling one after another. And then the schools looked at one another and said, well, I guess we better cancel two after one school did. Now that's then, probably not the best idea. Well, then everyone in America said, oh, sweet, no school. And either went one more spring break. I'm going out to drink for St. Patty's Day. What could go wrong? Right. Or two. Oh, geez. We're 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 gonna get quarantined. Everyone go to Costco right now. Go right now. So if everyone in America goes to Costco and Kroger and Publix instead of going to the sporting events, we're still passing it to one another all the same. Right. Anyway, I think this week the 10-day timer is gonna go off, and like half the country is gonna come down with it. And then it'll really freak out. That's when people will really lose their minds. But hey, you know, it's that'll just give us more time to uh, watch wrestling, right? Sure. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Either that or I'll still have to work 12 hours a day, but I'll have to do it from my apartment (laughs) on a single laptop, which my goodness, going to get nothing done. Yeah, I mean, as far as my my day job goes that that's not really going to be affected unless they they just i mean because we could easily work from home from that if they decide to do that right my other job's gone calling yeah, up somebody hire mark yeah yeah well there's when no sports, there, for what right when sports come back <laughs> i don't know everything's done yeah yep. anyone in the sports field is pretty much screwed um fortunately i do have another job as well yeah. But uh yeah, me calling uh, baseball games for the University of North Georgia is done. 
for the year. So that really stinks. Weren't even halfway through the season. And, uh, you know, so that's that that was affected. Um, it does give me a lot more free time, though, like because my weekends mm. were gone before and now there's nothing. So, yep. Yay. Expect higher quality episodes. Well, well, whole, like well maybe not, but more expect t- a whole lot of wrestling video game updates on our Twitter page. Yes, yes, that's very true, man. I hadn't played my PS2 in so long, and I pulled that thing out. SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. Harris, this is the greatest wrestling video game of all time. It is amazing. I, I'm a, I'm fully addicted to it, and I am not a video game person at all. <laughs> I've only had a PS2 my entire life. This was the first game I ever got when I first bought my PS2 about a year and a half before the PS3 came out. And, uh, dude, th- this game is, it's awesome. It is awesome. Most SmackDown and Raw's, those are, or SmackDown vs. Raw's are pretty much all good. I, I had most of them growing up. But this one is so great. And it's also great because it's the Ruthless Aggression era. So it's just more mm-hmm. fun to play in that story setting than it is, like, you know, 2010 or 11 or 12 or, you know, on. Right. It's just nice. It's nice, man. And, and it's the so funny. The rosters are such a big part of these wrestling oh, games. It's some of the best the rosters. Characters. This is one of yeah. the best rosters. Like, right in the height of SmackDown, you know, you got Eddie Guerrero, you got Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Undertaker, um, you know, all those Raw, or John Cena, Raw, you got Jericho and Triple H and... Uh, Rick Flair, Shawn Michaels, it's you know Batista, and it, it's it's a solid solid game. It is funny though because they're clear. This game was obviously definitely made in like 2005 when it came out because the very first storyline in the SmackDown. If you're a superstar, is a SmackDown superstar, and you do the story mode. There's two story seasons. One is for Raw, one's for SmackDown. Uh-huh. And the SmackDown one, the very first kind of story that you're in is basically you end up fighting for Tory Wilson's contract as a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way it is set up, let's just say it would not be set up that way now. Great. Uh, yeah, because she ends up getting bought out by JBL, who's the big, you know, the big horrible heel champion. Mm-hmm. And then you have to fight him for a contract but if you lose then he has control of her for the rest of her career it <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's funny because you're looking at just you're, you're just like you know what maybe this wouldn't fly exactly this way nowadays but it's nice to go back into some non-pc stuff at the same time so i don't know <laughs> it's fun i i i spent Four hours creating my character last night. Went to bed at like 4 a.m. Very good. Uh, still not done. I have a lot of other stuff. I didn't do the entrance. The entrance is the thing that takes absolutely forever if you do like a full-on created entrance, especially in the yeah. 2006 version because you have to like individually load every single thing to look at. So it just takes Yeah. It takes a very long time. Um, yeah, there are some drawbacks See? with old games, but it's a lot of fun. I've been talking about this too much, but SmackDown Raw 2006 is amazing. I see the one I have. I think what happened was before I bought a PS4, I just bought like the most recent game that they made for the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Like the newest one, which I think, or the nearest one I could find, which is 2008. Okay. If I have time, if they if they make me not work this week, 
I might fire that up and see what I can do. But I'm in a weird spot because when I got my PS4, I was like, okay, well, I can keep up with the modern games now, you right. know, which don't have as much personality, but there's still some fun stuff going on there. And, you know, the creative suites are cool and you can download other people's wrestlers and stuff. There's a lot going on. I guess. I haven't played a game and since SmackDown vs. Raw 2011. Well, what happened was, I think I, uh, at some point, I traded in my copy of 19, because I was like, you know, this is pretty good, but 20's coming out, and this will give me a little bit more money to buy 2K20, and I haven't been playing it for a while anyway. Mm-hmm. And then apparently 2K20 is just like the worst video game they've ever made, so right. now I don't have a WWE game <laughs> on my PlayStation 4. <laughs> Which is fine, because like, I was kind of, I was, I was done with 19 anyway, like the story modes just aren't that fun anymore, and you kind of do everything you can in the creative suites after a while but i don't have that option unless i just decide to go back and buy like 16 or 17 or 18 online or something which i could but you know dude you should just get smackdown vs raw just go on ebay and just get smackdown vs raw 2006 it's great there's a g I mean, there's the a general manager try- mode too i don't know if they have that on the newer games but there's a general manager they don't, mode. because xavier woods tweets about it all the time and i I never have gone through a whole one because I always stink at it, and my show ends it always ends up losing. But uh, but huh. it is fun. It is fun. You 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 what you're you, either what's you're the either, objective? Uh, to I, I I honestly I've never played it. I don't know where it ends or if it ever ends. So I'm not quite sure what the end thing is. Right, but you said no. Like you just you say you keep losing. How does oh, one lose? Oh yeah, well GM the point is for you to have the more popular show. And, and so every week, like, the ratings come out, and you, it's your goal to have higher ratings than the other show. But the problem is, like, you have, you know, you draft at the beginning. You draft superstars, and then uh-huh. you, you can, like, trade them throughout the season. But the problem is, like, they get hurt if you put them in too many matches or too difficult to matches too often and stuff like that. So you have to deal with injuries and mm-hmm. and, uh, and things huh. like that. So it's... um. It's pretty interesting and pretty fun. I need to get back. Again, I, I don't remember. I haven't done it in 10 years. So I got to, once I finish these uh, story modes, that'll be the next thing I I start jumping mm-hmm. onto. But I'm telling you, man, it's not all that bad because I'm getting back into SmackDown vs. Raw, which I'm quite happy about. Anyway, but uh, so that's <laughs> going on. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, Harris has the topic today. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Big, big, big segment of um, what's up with David Arquette. So that'll we got a lot to talk about there. But Harris, we gotta talk about um, a couple of things. I think with WWE because AEW right now, again, AEW is kind of in a uh, they're in the reset phase of you know because they just had their four their three month or four month storyline pay per view and all that stuff. So they're resetting everything. So there's not a ton mm-hmm. going on right now. So there's not a lot to talk about as far as AEW goes. Um, and then who knows now coming up because they had the Blood and Guts big, big show coming up in two weeks. And now it isn't – I mean, it's not going to be at that arena. They'll, they're going to do it with no fans or whatever. So I don't even know if right. they're still going to do it. If I were them, I would just hit the pause button and wait. But uh, – yeah. Yeah, well, you know, no, I agree. Just air. It's funny to imagine what they're supposed to air if they don't want to do an empty arena match or whatever. Well, they're going to have to. Like, just it's... imagine. Right, but just imagine, like, episodes of Being the Elite airing on <laughs> TNT. That would be pretty funny, actually. Who knows, man? Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. 
But uh, so yeah, AEW is kind of you know it, it is what it is. It's still it's still great, but not a lot of new stuff. WWE's got a lot of stuff going on because it's still leading up to WrestleMania, and WrestleMania hasn't been canceled yet, Harris. Although I don't see how it could possibly go on, but it hasn't been canceled yet. So we're still like on SmackDown or Raw with them be like, can't wait for WrestleMania, and we're all like, yeah, well you're gonna have to. So that, I thought that was very funny. It's like any other – if it was any other person or organization in America, one, it would already be canceled. Right. Two, we would have no doubt at all that it was eventually going to be canceled. Right. But Vince McMahon, you're always like, man, he might do it. He might be he, crazy he and might. stupid enough he to might. just have it anyway. He's probably not. It's going to get canceled, like I'm it's pretty sure. But if anybody, if anybody did it, if anybody tried to stay the course and like – check everyone's temperature on the way into the arena or something <laughs> insane. It's Vince McMahon. That's going to do it. Right. You're not wrong. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, now but, I but, will say this. I've had this conversation with people at work multiple times about all the different things you miss out on in the spring when you work as a tax accountant, you know, like you miss a lot of March madness. Uh, you can't go to like the sec basketball tournaments or you can't go to the masters, things like that, that you yep. kind of, you know, just kind of have to keep one eye on. And the, the the one that I care about that nobody else cares about is obviously WrestleMania, like being in early April. Right. I will not ever be able to go to WrestleMania while I have this current job unless they do what the rumored contingency plan is and just move it to June or July. Right. Which would be absolutely incredible to be honest with you like i know it's about to kind of go down in the next few days and it's a very serious issue but boy if they pushed wrestlemania to the middle of summer and i got to go for a change that would uh wow that'd be pretty wild that's something i'm keeping an eye on which of course means they're not going to do that they're going to go have it in saudi arabia or something but (laughs) hey harris does that mean you should go ahead and buy WrestleMania tickets while they're probably dirt cheap right now. Everyone thinking it's going to be canceled and then just be able to use those when they, you know, have it come back in June. You can get like good tickets for like 20 bucks. That might not be a bad idea. And I'm actually being dead serious. Yeah, I just don't know if I want to risk it. You know, Uh, what would you be out? You'd be out like 20 bucks, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we already bought tickets to the uh, AWE show and yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and we bought tickets to the Crockett Cup, too. Yeah, so that's other good news. I'll be in town that weekend because Yeah, well, my we'll other see plans... if the show happens, though. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, there's all these different things up in the air right now. It's about to be really weird. I, but... I, to be honest, I, da- I it probably won't. I, I, don't ex- I don't expect it to, but... Yeah. Which really, really stinks, but that really stinks for them. Like, because they're already on, yeah. like, you know, trying to kind of inch out and kind of branch forward and if a right. blow like this hits that might be really bad for the nwa well it's bad for everybody man. Yes, like no, not it is. just wrestling companies but especially like you know wwe is in a terrible spot because this is their worst sh- you know their biggest show of the year the show they yep. build their entire calendar and storylines around in theory but now it's looking like it can't happen but then you think about the fact that like Okay, but WWE is a billion like, dollar company. They'll be company. fine. Every independent promotion in America that can afford to 
tries to have a big show yep. in the city that's hosting WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend. Yep. Those are the people that are in real trouble because they've already had to start canceling their shows that weekend and they don't have a billion dollars in public stock options to fall back on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's the oh, yeah. same thing, obviously, for like every hourly worker at any job in America, basically, that's yeah. about to close and like not get a paycheck. The for entire sports industry, the entire sports media industry. Right, right. Like you, I mean, yeah, you would know, like, unless you're one of the seven talking heads on ESPN, that's like, Hey, what's this going to mean for LeBron's legacy? Like that's, yeah, it's all about to stop. So it's a very weird spot for everybody, but wrestling promotions in general, the good news, I guess, is it's the same for everybody. So like, right. NWA might go out of business. I don't know what their financial situation is, but they're not going to have another wrestling company drive them out of business. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's true. If everyone's, if everyone's broke then nobody's broke, right? <laughs> I, I don't think that's how it works, Harris, but sure. Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, all that's really brutal. And just for the individual wrestlers who are just getting paid on a per yeah. show type, you know, type thing. Like that's, 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 that's gotta be, that's gotta be rough. So it's, it's yeah. a tough, tough spot for everyone for sure. And, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Everything I've heard says it, there's this isn't like a quick turnaround type thing that's no. that's what i keep hearing like it's it's gonna be a while before everything is you know finally done just because of the vast the vastness of it so you know we'll we'll right. see we'll see um but speaking of that harris please tell me you saw some of smackdown I saw some of it. I didn't get a chance to watch as much of it as I wanted to because, you doesn't know, matter. my job. But it doesn't matter. here's the thing, dude. I Two of the like best, most exciting SmackDown shows have happened in the last year. <laughs> and I they've know. happened a disaster. due to circumstances completely outside of WWE's control. Right. That's how terrible what, SmackDown this, has been. This is one of the things I love about wrestling, dude, is that especially when you're insane like Vince and you're like, we have to go. The show must go on. Like you get some absolutely incredibly wild circumstances where you have a live wrestling show planned and you're going to do it and you have no idea how you're going to do it. And you have to figure it out on like four days notice. The other one of course was when more than half the roster got stranded in the Saudi Arabian airport. Mm -hmm. And there were all these rumors, you know, that Vince got in a fight with the prince and you know, they were under, they were being held hostage and all this crazy stuff, and they ended up leaving. But they had a show on in like Boston the next day, and they're just they're just like physically wasn't going to be enough wrestlers there. They just couldn't get there in time, so they had to fly up like the entire roster from Orlando and do an yep. NXT invasion that I'm sure they wrote like 20 minutes before it aired. For sure, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's the only so other course, time anyone's cared about SmackDown since it came to Fox, which is not what we expected. <laughs> so then of course this week they say well we got smackdown on fox billion dollar deal this is our biggest show and well there's no okay we can't we can't have it in front of people so we're just going to do an empty arena match for the entire show right and then they did well not the entire <laughs> show harris they decided to broadcast the entire elimination chamber match as part of the show so 30 minutes oh, okay. or whatever. Okay, yeah. well, that's from, from, uh, the last one Chamber. or the tag team one? The, the SmackDown one, the tag team one. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I forgot the other one was raw, but I was like, that wasn't, that wasn't a super fun match. Like I thought it was fine, but weird choice. Yeah. yeah. No, the tag match was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was That's fine. A good call. It was fine. Um, but yeah, so that they padded a little bit with that, but it was, it okay. was, it was, it was weird. It was weird, obviously, but it, it, it wasn't as weird as I thought it was going to be because and I, I don't even know why, because you have the the wrestlers doing their normal wrestler things. Like some of them, some of them they were doing intentionally. Some of them I think they were just doing as just an instinct where they put their arms up or something like before a yeah. move, like for, you know, for the crowd or whatever. And, and there's nothing there, but it didn't feel silly at any point for them. I mean, the, the, the women's match did a little bit, but they were doing that on purpose. But um, it didn't really feel as weird as I thought it was going to be. And and it was fun because you have Michael Cole and Triple H right next to the ring. And so yeah. anytime they say something, the rest on the ring would like turn around and fire back at him. <laughs> and you could just hear everything. And it was great. And, and also I... Triple H on commentary. Yeah, okay, Triple H. Look, I'm not a big fan of Triple H. I never have been a big fan of Triple H. I don't like most of the things that he's done in his career. Um, also, just in general, I just didn't really care about a lot of his stuff. Say whatever you want about Triple H. Triple H is hilarious. He's really, really funny when he wants to be. I give him all the credit. Some of the funniest things I've seen have had to do with Triple H. Uh, Triple H comedy bits. He's a really funny guy. And apparently, his role was changed recently. Where instead mm-hmm. of being like the head of travel and, and talent relations or something, like he had several roles, it was like all just shifted and now he's just in charge of NXT, I think. Yeah, that's what I read. And apparently it's people are looking at it as a demotion or something like that. Again, I don't know all the details with it. But I feel like it might be because you can tell he has a lot less pressure on him with whatever he's doing because he just went out there and just did not care. He's like, I don't care. This is dumb. We have an empty arena thing. Everything's going to hell and just, you know what? Fine. We're just going to have fun. And that's what he did. And it was a million times better. And everyone's like, why do we need Corey Graves? Just have Triple H do every show and we'll all have more fun with it. That's how this is WWE at its absolute best, because for all we complain about like the booking and a lot of their wrestling philosophies when it comes to storytelling and things like that and like character building, these are all some of the most talented people on the planet. Yes. And when you take like all of their best laid plans and throw them out the window and just force them to wing it, they remind you how good they really are. Like exactly. that's, that's what that was kind of the vibe for me. Like, this is very much like, look, we we're going to go out there and put on a show because that's kind of our whole thing that we're always there putting on a show every week, no matter what. But it's kind of house money. This could be terrible, but whether it's terrible or not, we're still going to do it and it'll be fine. That's kind of the vibe. And yeah. it was beautiful. My favorite bit. I just I remember seeing the gif of it and you can just tell you don't even need to see sound. But Daniel see Bryan. Sound? Yeah, sorry. You know what I mean? You don't need to hear it to get what's going on. But it's like Daniel Bryan and I believe it was Drew Gulak. They're making their way down to the ring and Drew Gulak stops. He stops Daniel Bryan and goes, hang on, hang on. Yes, yes, yes. And he starts doing the thing, the chant on his way down the ramp. And Daniel Bryan just looks at him and then gestures around him to say, like, 
there's no people here, Drew. <laughs> Why are you doing that? And the camera cut perfectly <laughs> to the empty arena that looks, you know, like a video game level, like you're doing right. a create an entrance or something. Completely empty arena. And Daniel Bryan's just like, all right, man. All right, whatever. Like, I, I hope that they had the presence of mind to have a camera crew there so that, like, in a year we can get a WWE 24 about the time they had to run oh, a show in I an empty so. arena I hope and what so. all the wrestlers are doing and thinking because it's got to be the weirdest thing in the world. Everything you do in wrestling is built off of trying to get a crowd reaction and playing up the crowd one way or another. And when you remove that and it's like you're doing all the same stuff you normally do, except it's just Triple H and Michael Cole in a corner, like cracking jokes about you the whole time. <laughs> It's got to just it's got to be something like out of the twilight zone. But, but but at the same time Harris, I don't think it is because how do you start wrestling? You wrestle like this. You wrestle with nobody there. <laughs> We've been to the shows, Harris. You wrestle yeah, like you're that. Right. So all of these guys for the most part, at least the ones that didn't uh just maybe jump straight into WWE, but almost all of them had to do that for years That's at some true. point. So that is true. Like they've done it before. I mean, maybe it's been a long time and I'm not saying it's still not weird or whatever, but like they've done this before hmm. and, and, and well, it's and a part was... of the thing. You just have to learn. You just do it. You just, you just do it. You just can't make, you can't feel awkward or anything about it. You just have to do it. Right. You got to go for it. So listen, they did. It was great. I can't wait. Like, the the only thing this is a very weird comparison, but the best thing I can think of to compare it to is kind of like when we talked about when we did an episode on the collision in Korea where WCW and New Japan went and they did a show in North Korea and it took them a while to get their bearings because the crowd had never seen a pro wrestling show before and didn't really know like what to do or how to react. Yeah. And the wrestlers had to adapt to it on the fly. That's kind of what this reminds me of, because you're right. Like you, you do get used to working small crowds. And there were some great like threads going around on Twitter of every wrestler's favorite, like tiny to non-existent crowd moment. But even if there's like eight people in the stands, there's still eight people feeding into what you do and cheering you or booing you or heckling you or whatever. There's nobody. Yeah. And it no, was just no, empty. There's not. That's true. At one it's, point, you uh, heard someone's phone go off. I don't remember <laughs> when it was. It was during either Cena's promo or Roman Reigns, and oh, you could hear so a phone go off from someone, like in, like <laughs> over in the in the corner in the production thing that's or whatever. And no one Mark, mentioned it, and I was like, man, that would have been really funny for someone to be like, hey, turn your phone off. We're recording a show. Man, I would. I would love to get to go see WrestleMania if they push it to June or July. But you know what I would love even more? If they hosted WrestleMania in the Performance Center and the only people in the crowd were the other wrestlers. Yeah, no, it would be, it would be fun. It would be incredible. It's also so weird because, like, most of what we talk about in WWE and our, like, week-to-week breakdowns is, like, how are the fans reacting to this person's push or that person's push or this guy's not over? This is kind of a dangerous spot because maybe Vince McMahon will just realize, wait, they can't boo Roman if there's nobody in the crowd. I can just <laughs> right. tell whatever stories I want to if the arenas are always empty. Yeah, that was the weirdest part of the whole show was when Roman came out for a second. I just hear, damn it, 
dun, and I just hear nothing. I'm so used to boo, and there was nothing. I was like, this is this is weird. That was the first well, time boo, it really I, hit me. That is, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's just part of his usually... entrance, man. It's just part of his entrance. And people don't like it's. He's not hated as much as he used to be, but there is always an initial oh before you know. Yeah, a I lot mean, of times now it tapers Cena, out. It was the same thing when Cena came out. Same type of thing. It's just like this is just weird. You hear the really high pitched yay, and you hear boo at the same time, and it was, it was just it was weird, man. Um, yeah. Someone who I think got I really feel bad for is Jeff Hardy. Because my boy Jeff Hardy came back, which I was super pumped about, and then it ended up being in an empty arena at the Performance Center. It's like, man, what a way to just derail <laughs> a big uh, return. Also, the fact yeah, that no they kidding. still won't use No More Words as his entrance theme. And no, I, Harris, this is one of the things, and we don't understand most of WWE because most stuff they do just makes no sense. This is probably the thing that I've ever seen with WWE that makes the least amount of sense i can think of it's their own song like it's their song i i don't understand why they won't use it with why, why jeff hardy they won't let him use it as his entrance theme it makes no sense every single person on the planet wants it they used it in a promo video like a year ago <laughs> and on backstage last week when he was answering Twitter questions, someone asked about it, and he was like, yes, I want that song so bad back. Like, we need to have it back. And I was like, oh, well, there we go. Perfect. We'll have it back when he makes the return. Nope. Still loaded. And it's just like, I, it's one of the most baffling things. That really doesn't ma matter in the grand scheme of things, but just that makes no sense. There's no reason so I, I can't figure – there has to be some weird thing that, that we don't get because I don't know why they won't use no more words for Jeff Hardy, and it's just very I mean, disappointing. The, the best case scenario is they're just waiting to use it for when a crowd, like an actual crowd, can pop no, for it. I, like there's have that no surprise way. factor. I don't I don't. No, it's I don't just because Vince so doesn't all. like it for some stupid reason. That's absolutely the real reason. I don't understand. It's so frustrating. But he's back, mm. and that's nice to see. And he crushed Baron Corbin, so that was fun. And uh, who knows what that's going to happen. I don't really see how he can have anything for WrestleMania. I'm assuming they'll just be in the Battle Royal because, I mean, there's nothing going on, and you can't really build anything in a couple of weeks. But who knows? WrestleMania might not even happen anyway, so it might not even matter. But he is back, so that's nice to see. That that I always love seeing Jeff Hardy back. Um so that's pretty much it as far as that goes. Uh, we'll see what happens on Raw tonight from the Performance Center. That'll be that'll be fun to see again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, time to move on, Harris, because we got a lot to talk about here. We got to move on to what's up with David Arquette. All right, Harris. Um, it's finally here. The trailer for You Cannot Kill David Arquette has come out. It came out a couple of days ago. Um, it was released first on IndieWire. And uh, I immediately recorded that and put it up on Twitter and Instagram. Before anyone else did, I might mention, I put this up first. Uh, as far as I know, I know I put it up before David Arquette or Christina Arquette. Or any of them put it up anywhere. 
Uh, I don't think it got the love that it deserved. Other people put it up afterwards and got a lot more uh, retweets and stuff on it. So I was a little disappointed on that, but just wanted to put that out there. I put it up before a lot of the official people go. But Harris, um, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but we're going to watch it here and react to this on the podcast. That's right. Everyone, bring up the everyone playing along at home. Bring it up. Find it on our Twitter page. Yep, yep. Uh, go to behind underscore gorilla and scroll down a little ways and you'll see the the trailer there and got to pull it up here. We're ready to hit play and react to this thing live. So, uh, all right, Harris, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. An untrained 150-pound Hollywood actor wins one of professional wrestling's most prestigious championships. It's the biggest disgrace in professional wrestling history. You know, it was a lot to handle to see David at this point. Everything was feeling pretty good with our careers, and all of a sudden he wants to start wrestling. Did David Arquette just... What's going on here? David Arquette won the world title. This is a guy who won the title on a fluke. A guy like David Arquette sticking his nose in the ring. They look at that and go, see... Wrestling's a joke. Because David Arquette's a f-ing joke. How is the drinking going? Are you are you able to control it, or are you just no, completely I, out I of control? No, I control it. I mean, I drink, yeah. you know, I have my wild nights once in a while. I started drinking more just to sort of like, I, I, wasn't, I was unhappy. Uh-huh. You know, I, I wasn't being true to myself. Media thinks I'm a bit of a joke. Hollywood doesn't take me seriously. I would love to be able to wrestle. Prove myself. I care about respect. I'd like to announce my return to professional wrestling. He's 46 years old. He is so impressive. He started wrestling again, and it is scary, you know? I mean, he had a heart attack. What the f*** is going on? What is the point of all of this? Right, Harris dude this looks awesome <laughs> okay now first had you seen this before no I hadn't watched oh it you had I can't believe you hadn't watched it yet but that that's even better so we got we got full fresh reaction here from uh from Harris I'm gonna apologize to everyone there is some language in the video in the um, trailer I forgot about but uh <laughs> sorry now that they've watched it we're like oh whoops yeah sorry about that any any kids that were listening I try and keep mostly a clean podcast but um yeah, so that's that's the trailer for You Cannot Kill David Arquette, the documentary on his basically the past two years of his life and his return to the professional wrestling world. Man, I can't wait. It looks awesome, dude. It, it looks, looks so, so cool. good. I it sets the stage 
so well. And this is one I'm, – I'm a big fan of – as somebody who got into wrestling really late in my life, I'm a huge fan of anything that could be like a potential bridge for people who don't watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of perfect for that. Like it explains it right off the bat. Is that Mr. Kennedy? Yes, it saying, is. Saying, oh, people see David Arquette win the world title. Yes, it is. And they're like, see, wrestling's a joke. That's – that's such a remarkably articulate statement of the problem, which is hard to explain to other people. You know what I mean? Like if you, yeah. if you don't know wrestling, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know it's fake, but you have to kind of take it seriously and suspend your disbelief. And this didn't do that. Like it's, it, it can be a complicated issue, but ah oh, man, he nailed it. And then they don't like, I like that they didn't explain a lot after that. It's just here is David Arquette being a professional wrestler in his crazy, crazy life journey. Yeah. Uh, the stuff in the hospital yeah. looks freaky. Yeah. I know he didn't set out for this to happen, but boy, what a perfect thing to happen for this movie that he almost got killed doing a death yeah. match with Nick Gage. Almost bled out. I mean, I can't wait to see – the footage they got from that, it sounds a little cruel to say. I'm not oh, glad what do you mean? Happened, oh, you mean like from the goodness. aftermath from it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like the yeah. the scenes of them trying to treat him and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it, it looks it looks intense and um I, and I love how it's because originally the idea was oh this will be fun. Let's just <laughs> his idea was like let's just make this like fun thing of me going back to wrestling and i don't remember the names of the directors i do forget i i I forgot what their what their names were but they and they were saying that that was kind of the initial thing but then they they very quickly saw that there were so many more layers to this than what Mm -hmm. the original idea was and then it became basically just this introspective into the psyche and everything of this this actor who has just been through so much stuff over the past 25 yeah. years and it all kind of culminated in this basically right because it's a midlife crisis that that's 100 percent what this what what this was and and that's i don't think what it originally was thought of that it that it actually you know was going to be maybe by him or whatever but that that's clearly what it was and what happened and and a lot of stuff came as a result of this not just you know the fact that he was becoming a wrestler and so i love that that's what it seems to be harping on and what it seems to be focusing on and it's much more of a character piece than it is yeah anything else but at the same time you're going to get a deep dive into the world of indie wrestling like on top of all this. So I agree with you. It's this perfect, it's going to be this perfect bridge from these Hollywood people that have zero respect for wrestling or know anything about it. And we'll be able to now see it through someone else that they know and hopefully get a much clearer picture of what wrestling actually is. And who would right. ever thought and it would be David like, Arquette that would be the one to do that? Because for the longest time, he's I mean, been the number one joke in the history of wrestling. And that's where this whole thing came from. It's because he was sick of being the that, number one joke of wrestling because he, he loves it so right. much. And it's to shirk that image. But at the same time, bringing he ends up bringing 
a whole lot of other people around on what wrestling is actually about. And so it's just this perfect full circle of someone going from the biggest joke in the history of wrestling to now being a bridge to bring in people who would never know anything or care anything about wrestling to then potentially knowing more about it. Well, this is why, I mean, you know, we joke a lot about surprise David Arquette and like the crazy wacky things that we cover on this podcast. David Arquette is and always will be our patron saint. Of course. But the reason that's the case, like that's that's what this documentary is capturing in a way that, you know, we don't always fully articulate. But you're right. For years, for decades, he was a one man punchline, like the biggest joke in professional wrestling but there is nobody out there who embodies like the spirit and a healthy respect for the art form of pro wrestling better than david arquette right and that's what this is setting out to kind of capture to tell that story and fully appreciate exactly what it is that this guy's doing i mean i feel like that's kind of what we've been about from day one i'm not saying we did it first because you know obviously he was wrestling before we adopted him as our patron saint. But... Not not by much, because he started in the summer of 2018. <laughs> we started in February of 2018. Okay, so we're taking credit for this then. That's what I'm we're, we're taking credit for this. <laughs> All right, sweet. Sounds good. We I'm have very little to try and take credit for. In the grand so scheme of things. So correct we gotta... me if I'm wrong. We don't know anything about the streaming situation right now. Right? Uh, they don't, no of one course, does. this was supposed to premiere. Yeah, it was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest. That obviously right. got canceled like everything else. I read somewhere that South by Southwest is going to air all of the films online and like, oh. still give awards and stuff. So I don't know any details about that. I just saw in passing that that's their plan. So huh. obviously like a premiere, a proper premiere is kind of out. But if south by southwest were to come out and say hey here's all our videos that you didn't get to see watch them while you're locked in your house for the week check this out maybe more people will see it who knows yeah i don't know what's going on um i had dm'd him a few days ago about it and, mm -hmm. and the response was they're just trying to figure they're just trying to figure everything yeah. out right now so nothing seems to be said and we'll you know we'll see what happens so but uh, but but it's nice that, that we finally got something to come out with the trailer coming out and it looks awesome. And man, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for this to for this to come out and us to be able to talk about the full the full final product at some point. But but yeah, definitely go and check out the trailer. You cannot kill David Arquette. You can find it on his Twitter page, our Twitter page. Um uh, his Instagram, our Instagram, his wife, Christina's Instagram. It's on all those. So you, you can definitely find it out there. Go ahead and uh, and give it a watch and maybe tweet it. Give it a retweet and try and try and get try and get more of more of it out there. So the more people can know about it, maybe if more people clamor for it. It'll make it easier for them to find somewhere to to get it distributed. So go out there and try and make that happen. But anyway, big time thing with uh that coming out so we of course had to watch that and and talk about it for sure all right it's time harris it's your time to shine time to shift gears get into the main event of the show which is of course harris talking about something really stupid that happened in wrestling history and uh and i'm ready i'm ready for it you remember how we did an episode a few months ago where 
we got to this point and then you were like, yeah, what do you want to talk about? I didn't research anything. Yes. I was this close to doing that this week and blaming <laughs> it on the coronavirus. And then ironically, our show getting canceled tonight, the AWE show we were going to go to and us recording on Sunday instead of Saturday gave me the time I needed to actually finish the research I was doing. So that's my long-winded way of saying I do have a topic Yay. just because I love you people so much. I almost bailed. I didn't. I figured out a way to make it work. So last week, you gave us your account of what you would think is is probably the worst wrestling pay-per-view in history, right? Am, am uh, I yes. getting that right? Not, I mean, not the worst moment in wrestling or anything like that. There, there are worse matches right. and worst instances or whatever but as far as a whole with zero redeeming qualities when the most redeeming quality is arn anderson getting a bucket put on his head and knocked out by johnny mm -hmm. b bad it's it's the worst pay-per-view of all time right so for my my response this week it's not a response it, it's not really a counter argument because i get i get what you're saying and i think there's certainly a case to be made for my topic this week i watched another show that could make the case for the worst pay-per-view of all time. I'm not going to try oh, to boy. convince you. Oh man, this is great. Frankly, I don't have a strong opinion and I don't care that much, but it's just, you know, if you're out there and you're like, Hey, I've heard wrestling's good. What about bad wrestling? And you want to watch all the bad wrestling for yourself. Well, this is another option for well, you. one. This is the show for you. Like our show. Yeah, just in general. obviously <laughs> if you want to watch bad wrestling. You can watch 98% of anything we talk about. And that that's that, that qualifies. But if you want to say, no, 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 I don't want to watch a single match or a single segment. I want to sit down and watch three hours of bad wrestling. Well, this is the second option for you. Now, Perfect. I feel like what you covered last week, this is how I would describe it. It was a series of baffling choices <laughs> sort of centered around the fact that like – That's a great way to put it. Centered around the fact that like, hey, this is a pay-per-view called Uncensored. Anything goes. It's not sanctioned by WCW. So we're going to have all these crazy stipulations and like they all went wrong in their own weird way. Right. Pretty this much. is a show that is a terrible pay-per-view, but it's really mostly because of one decision that just permeates the entire show like a cancer and WrestleMania just 31. destroys it all. What? WrestleMania 31. <laughs> No, I'm ready no, for it. All right, Harris, let's talk about WrestleMania 31. There, there is a disappointing sting appearance. Well, there we go. It oh, won't geez. be as disappointing. No, I guarantee listen, that. So the joke for any of you who might be missing what we're talking about is WrestleMania 31 featured Sting's WWE, not debut, but you know what I mean? Like his his triumphant WrestleMania moment where he came to do battle with Triple H, the villainous authority figure, which is like Sting's entire shtick. And then he lost clean to Triple H. In a giant match a where terrible... there was 90 people interfering, you could easily have Triple H get mm -hmm. caught by something or whatever and ganged up on anything. And Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. They did yep. all that, kicked out of everything, yep. and won. Yep. But <sighs> here's the thing. Other good things happened on that pay-per-view that weren't related to that match. Doesn't matter, or Harris. That feud. Doesn't matter. I want you, Mark. I'm just. I'm trying to segue into the actual topic. Just let <laughs> let me do this. <laughs> so imagine a pay-per-view 
where every match was like that, where every match for some reason broke down into this weird forced story of gang warfare in a pay-per-view where, in fact, the entire storyline was about gang warfare, because this was a pay-per-view where they let NWO, the villainous faction running roughshod over WCW, just run the dang thing. Oh, there we go. I know where I we're going talking, with this. Of course, about NWO sold out, oh, 1997. Boy. And when I say sold out, they make this pun several times throughout the course of the show. It is spelled soul, S-O-U-L, because they've got so much soul, brother. Sure. They're just so – they're so cool. The, 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 the premise of this show is literally that the NWO is putting on their own pay-per-view. So in a similar sense to what you talked about last week, it's not a WCW show at all. In kayfabe right. at this point, you know, NWO is the rogue – evil organization that's running roughshod over WCW, beating up their stars, interrupting their shows, doing their own thing, just generally raising all sorts of cane. And at some point in kayfabe, they said, all right, we're just going to do it ourselves. And this is a show that quite literally resulted from the inmates running the asylum. That's, that's the best <laughs> way to put it. This show is what happens when you take people whose entire character is, hey, we're going to be cool and counterculture and stick it to the system, and then you just make that the system yeah, for an entire three-hour pay-per-view. So that, that that's the problem with this show. And I'm not going to – I'm going to kind of break down the matches and some of these distinct problems, but you can kind of break it down into three different ways that this becomes a problem. Uh, number one is – well, okay, hang on. First of all, let me let me just talk about like let me let me paint a picture of this show. Because the entire point is this is not a WCW show. This is different. This is edgy. It's cool. It's too sweet. Whatever. The show starts off not with your typical like edgy video package previewing the feuds and the matches and stuff. It starts off with about a 7-minute cold opening of all the different members of the NWO writing into the show not in limousines or in sweet cars or even on motorcycles which is kind of their whole thing right but on the backs of garbage trucks literal trash trucks flying nwo flags um, and a police escort harris i have uh, yeah. hold on i have a question here yeah um now uh, now obviously I, I i am familiar with the show uh, knowing, mm -hmm. knowing a lot of WCW stuff. However, um, I haven't done any research on the show. I, I, I haven't, I don't necessarily remember every match off the top of my head. Why, why are trash trucks being used for the NWO? Is it because they're, or is it because they're trash? Yeah, that's a great question. It's never explained. Okay. Like... Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I was just, just wondering. No, yeah, that's I, I was wondering the same thing because, okay, I didn't – Eric Bischoff has done an episode on this pay-per-view on his podcast, 83 Weeks. Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing, so I don't have like – he probably has a counterpoint for each of the things that I'm going to complain about. Maybe. From what I've – what my research has told me, like I read some of his comments and the things that he said, and his whole thought process – with this pay-per-view, with this NWO pay-per-view, was it, it was two things. Number one, 
he was kind of trying to do his own version of brand warfare right before wwe ever had to do it yeah that's the other thing people can continuously forget that wcw and eric bischoff did way way more of this stuff that wwe became later on they did stuff almost all of it first like the entire attitude era started with monday nitro and the nwo like yeah all of that stuff most of what wwe as we know of now a good bit of that came from ideas that started with wcw and not enough people know that because it's never given credit for because wwe has just branded wcw as this big failed clown show and that's still the way that they try and write the narrative which is which is very frustrating but uh but yeah so that, that's that that's a big thing to say and that's a great point to make they were literally trying to do the in-brand brand warfare what five six years before or yeah five years before wwe even thought Something about like it like that yeah so his his thought process too was you know hopefully you know at some point down the line right we can have two shows well and I, 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 hold on yeah sorry Sorry, I'm I'm hijacking your topic here. No, no, that's um, cool. I want you to chip in, please. Now, in 98 is when Thunder started, and nobody wanted Thunder except for <laughs> Ted Turner and the network. Right. Because they're like, oh, this is doing all this great business. Let's just do another one. And Bischoff's like, right. uh, no, this is very difficult. Let's not split the th- – oh, we have to – oh, okay. And, uh, right. and, and so then his idea was – well, let's try and make this different. So we'll make Nitro the NWO-based show, and then Thunder is going to be like the WCW show trying to, like, you know, combat the two or whatever. But that same mm-hmm. idea was an initial idea yeah. of what happened. Now, that did not happen at all the way that was initially thought whatsoever. It did not work, as a lot of people thought. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it ended up being a big part of eventual decline of WCW, but that was a thought in there eventually oh, yeah. when, when Thunder became a thing. So you can kind of, you, you know, you talk about the fact that WCW, and I know we're dancing around the general idea of this show, but I'll get into specifics, I promise. But the background is, is super important. Like WCW obviously comes out looking like a bunch of jabronis in all of the histories because WWE ended up winning the Monday Night War. So they which are the ones making the documentaries. nothing to do with WWE, which is the part that they drives are the ones, me nuts. Well, I, 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 all right, just... Sorry. Just, sorry it's all right, buddy. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry. It's fine. Just let sorry. me talk. <laughs> He's very passionate about this and always has been. It's very funny. So even at the time, you can see why WCW went under, which you're right. It's not because WWE was so good for so long that they just quit. There were a lot of circumstances that it was WWE the, it was had the nothing merger. to do with. The merger is the yeah. biggest one. Yeah, right. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. But like, even at the time, Eric Bischoff's biggest problem wasn't Vince McMahon. They were competing in the ratings, obviously. But WCW still had good ratings even when they would eventually start to lose the Monday Night War. Yeah. The problem that he had from a lot of the executives was, listen – People aren't the right people aren't watching your show. It's too trashy. We need family friendly programming because even if ratings are lower, 
that's easier for us to sell to advertisers. Right. So his thinking, even in 1997, before Thunder existed, it was the same premise. It was, okay, well, we can have one brand that's NWO, and that's edgy and cool attitude era, quote unquote. You know, like it, that was WWF's thing, but that was the product. And then we can have WCW, which is your classic, like family friendly pro wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, that didn't work. This show in a microcosm is why that idea <laughs> didn't work. From start to finish, it's just absolutely atrocious because at every juncture, they're trying to be different. That's one thing he mentioned on his podcast I did read. Like he was always trying to do something that you wouldn't expect, which is where pro wrestling goes wrong. There's a lot of different examples of that, like being different for the sake of being different, swerves for the sake of swerves. There's another there good so example many... of that. It's called The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not touching that. We're not getting into this, Mark. We're Thanks, not doing Ryan. this right now. Thanks, Ryan. Not doing this. So the entire that that he's going into this show, this special pay-per-view. This is the pilot for the NWO New World Order brand. He wants to be as edgy as possible. He wants to zig whenever you expect him to zag. He is dialing the cool factor, what he thinks is cool, up to 11. And it just fails miserably from the get-go. We have this cold open where every member of the NWO is riding into the show on garbage trucks. Don't really know why (laughs) other than, hey, man, you know, you'd think that heels would be cool and ride up in limousines, you know, because that's kind of a classic bad guy thing to do. Not the NWO, brother. We're 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 different. We're street level. We're cool. We wear leather jackets and we're so the opposite of limos that we ride in garbage trucks. I don't I don't know how else to justify that. They never explain it. They don't talk about it. They don't even say like, hey, we're here to take out the trash because that's what WCW is like. There's nothing like that. There's no attempt to tie it into anything. It's just like, what does a 45-year-old man think a 13-year-old would think is cool? That's kind of what they do. That's the entire pay-per-view in a nutshell. So once you, you know, the, the garbage trucks get in, people get out, they make their way into the arena. I will give them this. Like they have tried in terms of like the set design and the production to make this a very different show. And it is interesting in theory to see that play out. Like I said, this is the inmates running the asylum at this show. So the stage is completely different. It's like all the smoke and like TV monitors, amplifiers. There's a live band there. That's there all night playing like generic rock music between matches. (laughs) They have, they have girls there, which we will spend a lot of time on in the future. It's a little <laughs> teaser for you. But there are all these biker chicks that are there sitting around on motorcycles because, again, Eric Bischoff loves him some motorcycles. It was very much the NWA, you know, cool guys in leather jackets who ride sick motorcycles, brother. That was kind of their whole thing. So it feels like a very different show. And the other thing that they did that I, I do kind of enjoy is like, because the inmates are running the asylum here, all of the entrances have their own spin. So, like, the the show is – every match is an NWO wrestler versus a non-NWO wrestler, like just a traditional WCW wrestler. And every single one of the WCW wrestlers makes their way to the ring with no music and no fanfare. And, like, the NWO voiceover announcer, 
just making fun of them as they make their way to the ring. And it actually kind of works. <laughs> like it's, it's, it is funny. I like that. At one point I'll get into some specifics as we go on, but like, for example, the first match features Chris Jericho and he's just billed as being this tiny guy from North of the border. Like they don't bother to, you know, give anyone any respect or any fanfare. And it gets really annoying at certain points in the show, but like, from a purely presentational perspective, this works. Like, it's funny. It's like saying, imagine if, you know, Chris Jericho's inner circle hosted their own pay-per-view. What would that look like? And then you get to kind of imagine all the weird little things that they would do, like faction-specific quirks. Uh, It's kind of fun. And we'll get into one or two examples of where it works as the show goes on. But one of the ways it definitely doesn't work, that is painfully apparent throughout the entire show, is that it's all NWO people on commentary. It's just Eric Bischoff and Ted DiBiase. It's just two heels doing play-by-play and color commentary with no chemistry. None. (laughs) None at all. Every match they are putting down the baby faces. Every match they are blatantly ignoring the heels cheating and over-exaggerating all of the things that the good guys do. And it just doesn't work it's not quite as bad as like if it were a booth full of heel michael coles but we've been over this in the michael cole episode having a bad guy on commentary is unbearable yeah because you can't get away from it well it doesn't it's not it's not always unbearable there's a way where it works and it works really well um i mean because going back in the day works really well but that's when like there's chemistry when there's a good guy and a bad guy and the bad guy is providing like snarky side commentary right or or the bad guy is putting his foot in his mouth or it's self-deprecating or stuff like that so you got the best of all time with bobby the brain heenan who was just the perfect one and you have jesse ventura who was good now he went a little bit more into the Corey Graves side some where he wasn't usually the of the joke when he's usually saying stuff but again him and gorilla monsoon just worked so well together that it worked or you have jerry lawler working with jr like heel announcers can be very effective and can work very well but one they have to be the color commentator a heel play-by-play guy is absolutely unbearable and that was the problem with the michael cole thing which we were in and that is the problem here. Bischoff's a good announcer. That's what he did originally. But right. when it's just the heel and heel, it's just you You just you can't. There's nothing to listen to. It's just annoying at some point. Correct. And it's not only that, but like they don't complement each other that well. There's just no flow. They don't set each other up well. There are multiple times. It's very interesting. You might appreciate it. Where, like, as a broadcast team, you can just tell they're not used to working with one another, and they don't know what to say. Like, there's a lot of dead air and just weird stop-start statements because they can't walk you through the evening the way, like, even now, you know, you can say, oh, well, Michael Cole's lame and bland, but, like, it feels like a professional endeavor because he is good at talking you through the entire show. And there's never a moment where you feel like, hey, the two guys whose job it is to talk to me right now don't know what to say. That happens a lot in the course of this show. And let's start walking through the card here because this is the other 
way that you can tell that this central idea of let's have the NWO throw a pay-per-view. It doesn't work. The matches themselves aren't good. They're not interesting. A lot of them just aren't good on paper. The first match you start with is Chris Jericho versus, um, I don't remember his name. He's a star from New Japan. And they, they just, the entire match, they don't call the match. They just talk about how cool it is that this guy in the ring is the first international member of the NWO. And it's so cool that NWO can just walk into New Japan and take their top guy. And now he's here and he's so athletic and he's so good. They're not like the only time they stop to focus on anything in the match is whenever they're cheating to get an upper hand. Like, for example, the referee for the entire pay-per-view is an NWO employee. His right. name's Nick Patrick. Yeah. They literally only have one. So this poor guy actually has to call the <laughs> matches for the entire pay-per-view, which uh, is like no mean guy. feat. But no. You, you That's don't, not easy. Yeah, it, we, it, yeah, it is pretty funny because as the show goes on, you kind of start to think, wait, this guy's definitely getting tired. Like this is a hard job and he's just got to keep doing it. But so, of course, he's cheating to help the bad guys win right. for the entire show. So, like, for example, Chris Jericho will lock in a sleeper hold. And the guy says, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. You got your forearm in there. That's a choke hold. That's not allowed. Because, you know, like, theoretically, you can't just grab a guy with both hands and choke him out. And right. the forearm is the wrong part of the body for a choke hold. So you have to stop. Even though it was a perfectly clean choke hold, commentary is like, yeah, that's right. Don't put in a choke hold if you can't do it right. You know, you got to follow the rules. Stuff like that will happen all night. Like, the babyface gets an advantage, a fair advantage, and then the ref cuts off their momentum at the knees. That's the only kind of stuff that commentary cares about this entire match. It's kind of funny to hear them mention New Japan by name, like, a lot. Yeah. But I guess in 1997, like, nobody had the internet to go watch New Japan, so they figured it was a safe thing to do. I don't I don't know, man. As the show goes on, we get— so. It, Jericho loses. He can't overcome both the wrestler and the ref. Eventually, the Japanese guy wins. Chalk one up for the NWO, you know, and they talk about how, how great they are and how elite this proves that they are and their international talents better than Jericho, who's from Canada. At one point, a USA chant breaks out for a match between a man who is from Japan and a man who's from Canada, which is a little weird. But it's not a good match. It's not really interesting. It's just kind of a slog, and it would be a slog if it was like one Monday Night Raw match with two heels on commentary, but this is the framework for the entire show. So the next match, not any more exciting, it's a guy named Bubba, which is just, you know, Big Boss Man, except he's in WCW at the time, so he's Big Bubba. <laughs> right. Also an NWO, very generic, just black and white doesn't have a whole lot of personality to him here he's fighting does he, does he still Morris? is he still coming out with the fedora or not anymore because sting crushed it no not at this point yeah not at this I point guess, no. i guess because he's nw's you know right too right. cool too that's, cool for this he's fair. fighting hugh morris which is another great name in a mexican death match which basically just amounts to like a last man standing match <laughs> I, I i found out the reason it was a mexican death match was because it was supposed to be I, I think it was conan was supposed to be the other guy in it 
that fell through, like he couldn't make it to the show or he couldn't get booked <laughs> properly or he couldn't get out of Mexico or something. But they still had a Mexican death match instead of just calling it a last man standing match. That's awesome. It's uh, it's baffling. That's great. But, you know, you can just see Bischoff being like, yeah, that's what you, you would never expect it. I don't know. It's not that interesting of a match. See, this is where this show is very different from your worst pay-per-view of all time because it isn't that a lot of really goofy things happen. It's just that it's long and boring and the same story happens over and over and over again. Eventually the NWO guy cheats to win the ref allows it and then he wins. That's two Yay. matches in a row. Yeah. So I next up a pattern here and the crowd, by the way, very indifferent to all of this. Like you can tell there's some people there who are big NWO fans and they know what's up and they're super into it. There's a lot of people there who just thought they were going to see a WCW pay-per-view and like can't figure out why all of their favorite wrestlers aren't there. And they're very, very indifferent to the whole thing. That's a good combination. The next match, it's not like... The, the next match is Jeff Jarrett, which you think, oh, okay, he's a good heel. You know, he can... He can get some cheap heat, except he's the face in this situation because <laughs> he's a non-NWO wrestler. So we have face Jeff Jarrett, who's dressing and acting exactly like heel Jeff Jarrett oh. versus Mr. Wall Street, Yay. who's a proud member of the NWO. Now, <clears throat> this whole time, commentary is you know continuing to pump up the NWO guys and how cool they are and how edgy they are, and how popular they are, and how athletic they are, right? And they get to this point, and this is literally what they say about Mr. Wall Street. They say, you know, now this Mr. Wall Street, he's uh, he's got to be one of the most underrated performers out there in the world of professional wrestling today. He's a really quiet guy, a really soft-spoken guy. That's a good Why selling point. Why is he in your faction? That's a great what? selling point right there. What? Yeah! Their whole thing is we're bigger than you. We're cooler than you. We're the best wrestlers. We're going to run over you. Why do you have this guy? What do you, this is not, this is not a faction known for taking like young up and coming, coming talent. No. Why is he in the NWO at all? He's got no, he's literally got nothing to offer when the best thing your biased heel commentators can say is, yeah, you know, he's a real diamond in the rough. This guy, <laughs> It's a total failure. They're just underselling their own guy. Oh, boy. Again, nothing of any interest really happens in this match. Eventually, the the, the heel wins. The NWO ref. Oh, what a surprise. Helps him win. And you're just... It's just... It's not even, like, goofy and dumb bad. It's just boring and annoying bad. Why... Why do I care about any of this? Why would I ever root for Jeff Jarrett? Why have any of these babyface wrestlers showed up to a show where they know all of the other wrestlers, the commentary team, half the crowd, and the referee are all blatantly and openly rooting against them? What is happening? Who cares? <laughs> ah, but now, now, Mark, now the tables have turned. Are you ready? Now the card gets good. We've got Buff Bagwell versus Scotty Riggs, everybody. Woo! Yay! Everything I've always wanted. 
American males, American males, <laughs> American males, one of the American top 10. males. Yeah. One of the top 10 worst again, themes of all time. Check that episode out. Again, the entire reason like the NWO blew up was because it was three really cool, really talented heel performers, right? Yes. Hulk yes. Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, finally a bad guy. Super cool. Hall and Nash, very cool guys. Buff Bagwell is the least cool person in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, no, that's not true, but he's up there. Like, imagine this is Zack Ryder in the Bullet Club levels of does not work, okay? It's, <laughs> his entire bit is that he's this big, buff goofball who you cannot take seriously. And just because you put him in black and white and have him come out to the same, like, weird generic guitar riff that everyone else on the card comes out to does not make it work. No, Nobody cares no, about Buff not. Bagwell in the NWO. Not, not really. Sadly, we care, like, but we're, you know, we're in the minority there. Right. But we care about Buff Bagwell because like the best thing he ever did was have a match where his mom was trapped on a forklift and he had to <laughs> save her. Okay, that yeah, is the, you're not wrong. That's the complete opposite side of the wrestling spectrum for this. Yeah. So they they have a match. His former tag team partner, Scotty Riggs, it's not particularly good. Buff Bagwell is funny in it. Like, you, you'll appreciate this, Mark. The way the ref is helping all of these guys get a heads up is he is enforcing the rules too strictly. So rules about, like no closed fist punches and stuff like that are getting enforced super aggressively. Good. So the guy's finally, the guy's mad time. at Buff Bagwell. He comes out swinging and he starts punching him and Buff rolls out of the ring and says, Nope, Nope. I thought we were going to wrestle. I thought we were going to have a wrestling match. If we're not going to have a wrestling match, then I'm just going to leave. Nick, tell him if we're not going to have a good wrestling match, I'm just not going to be here. And he starts to act like he's walking away and the ref like, tells him to stop the closed fist punches Good. and have a strict wrestling match. Thank goodness. It's about time, man. It's about time. We need some real wrestling back. It goes it goes full Bill Watts. Like there's multiple times throughout the show where people will throw NWO wrestlers over the top rope and Bischoff and DiBiase are just beside themselves. They're like that should be a disqualification. That's that's against the rules. You can't do that, Patrick. What are you doing? Call it right, you know? That keeps <laughs> happening. But eventually, once again, Buff Bagwell wins because his opponent just couldn't get up enough momentum with the ref stopping him, making up some technicality every time he started to get a little bit of heat. We are now for those of you keeping score at home, four matches into the show. I don't think the babyface has won a single one. They've lost in the same way every time. There's no reason for us to care about any of these people or any of these things that are happening. Great. The other thing that's happening on this show, the third thing, which, you know, if, if the decision is we'll let the NWO run a pay-per-view and that's what ruins the entire thing. And the first way we see this play out is with the commentary team. The second way we see this play out is with how the matches go themselves. The third way we see this play out and prove what a terrible idea it is, is they decided to have the first ever Miss NWO pageant. Well, I mean, that that makes that makes sense. 
I mean, it does again right? ahead of their time. What was WWE doing five years later? Every single right. week. You know what the difference is, Mark? Please, please tell us, Harris. I'll tell you what the difference is. When, like, when the WWF in the Attitude Era, or well after that, if we're being honest, would do trashy stuff with women, trashy storylines, segments, where the entire point is, you know, we know our audience is a bunch of dumb, horny 13-year-olds, and we're going to give them what they want. Sure. They crank it all the way up to 11, right? So... I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I'm glad this is not what women's wrestling is anymore. It was stupid and offensive then. But at least when WWE says, hey, you know what? We're going to get real trashy. They got properly trashy. And I understand that that seems like a weird distinction to make right now. But you think of like Jerry Lawler hosting bikini contests. And like the women's division is made up entirely of lingerie models. Yeah. Again, I'm glad that that's not what women's wrestling is anymore. I think it was dumb and offensive then. It's dumb and offensive now. But at least they said, look, we're going to sell you some TNA. We're going to deliver. Because the Miss NWO not, not Not total nonstop action wrestling. No, the other one. Yeah. The Miss NWO pageant was a complete shoot. So let me tell you, like, Eric Bischoff starts the show, starts this segment, the first of the Miss NWA segments, NWO segments. I've probably made that mistake multiple times. I just not caught it at this point in the show. If you have, I haven't noticed either. Right. It all kind of runs together. He says, I guess in an effort to prove how cool he is, hey, we invited women from all over the country to be here to be crowned Miss NWO. But, uh, you know, we're not going to pay for their flights and we're not going to pay for their hotel stay. So if they wanted to be Miss NWO, they had to come here themselves and they had to figure out their own place to stay. Sure. I don't know why that's the angle they decided to go with, but I get it, right? You are this heel faction. Your entire branding choice is to say we're cool, we're edgy. You know, the idea going forward is this is going to be the brand where crazy, you know, hypersexualized stuff can happen. But we sure. want to play it off like we're too cool, like we don't care, like we can get these women to do whatever they we want them to do for us and we can do it effortlessly. Right. So not only are we going to have the Miss NWO pageant, but they're going to want to be with us so badly that they're going to pay for it all themselves and they're going to make their way here all on their own just for a chance at being with the NWO. That kind of makes sense, right? Like, I, it's, I don't think it's necessary, but if you want to make that the pitch, that makes sense. It's a heel pitch, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, not really at all, no. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's a weird <laughs> angle to take. Having Eric Bischoff come out from the get-go and say, hey, I don't care about any of these women. They got to, you, you want to get with me? You want to get with the king? You got to come here and you got to do it yourself. But like, sure. you're still like, okay, but I know where this is going. You know, they're going to like, they're going to take their tops off and they're going to like dance around in skippy costumes and they're going to give like really perverted answers to really provocative questions. I, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen the Attitude Era episodes of Raw. I know how this is going to go. Yeah. Except they didn't, 
they didn't cast like models to be in this show. They didn't screen anybody. They literally said, hey, who wants to be Miss NWO? And then they just put them on the stage. That's literally what they did. It wasn't like (laughs) – it wasn't a work. It was not staged. It was not scripted. These are not reality TV stars or like – again, I know this is stupid and offensive. But if you're just like, look, they clearly went out and hired a bunch of strippers so they would have like hot, skimpy women on their show, that would make sense. They didn't do that. It's just a bunch of random biker moms. It's all these middle-aged women in dumpy leather jackets. Some of them have perms. Some of them have glasses. I realize I'm being very superficial here. I'm sure some of these girls are lovely people. I don't know anything about them. But the entire premise of the show, the reason we're doing this, is so we can have cool, edgy, sexual stuff on our shows. Why would you not do that? Why would you have all these dumpy middle-aged women straddling motorcycles your entire show? Because they're the heels. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But the like that's not how heels do sex in wrestling. Ric Flair's gimmick is not. I'm gonna steal a kiss from all the fatties. Like the the whole bit is you're scared of Ric Flair. Mike Awesome's was. Right. Check that that episode out. That was also a terrible idea, Mark. Fat that was also thriller. a terrible idea, and it didn't work, and everyone hated it. Look, man, I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to help. I'm trying a, to. I'm trying to find Mark, some sort of uh, reasoning for anything, but yeah, no. I, I mean, can't. look, it's an absolutely baffling decision. I mean, you're right. Like trying to rationalize it. Number one, Bischoff's whole thing was, well, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense or is a stupid decision. We need to do what's unexpected. Right. And what's more counterculture and cool than a middle-aged man in a leather jacket drooling over some other middle-aged women in a leather jacket sitting on motorcycles for an entire three-hour pay-per-view? The more out of shape and, like, weird they are, the more it will annoy people, and they're going to – they're doing this to prove how tacky they are, right? Yeah. How kind of gross and trailer trash the NWO is. Okay, well, I can, you know, I can sort of see that, so – They've at least gotten women who are like actors who are good at conveying things on camera, right? Mm-hmm. If they're not going to go out and get like just stereotypically stupid hot people to be stupid hot, they're at least going to deliver on this like schmaltzy trailer park trash vibe, right? You would and the think. Answer, you, you would think that they would, but no, they literally – Mark, they literally just got women who applied. They were like, hey, you want to be on TV? And they were like, okay, and then they just showed up. They didn't give them any instruction, clearly. They just have them there sitting on motorcycles, half-heartedly dancing to this generic, like, porno-sounding rock music for the entire show. They don't do anything. One of the NWO, like, their interviewer, will go from woman to woman asking her just the most ridiculously stupid sexual innuendo-laced questions. And Uh, these women like even better. And again, you're like, look, this is dumb and offensive. But if their whole thing is like, hey, we're going to be the attitude era before the attitude era, we're going to really sell the sex appeal here. You would think that like if they did this in WWE in 1999, all of the women would have like carefully written, super, super, super inappropriate things to say. 
if you're going to deliver on this tr- – if, if you're going to promise this trash, at least deliver it. That's okay. not what they do. None of these women have any idea what's happening. They're not prepared for any of these questions, and most of them don't have good answers. Like, for example, he'll say, like, <laughs> what would you – all right, ma'am, look at you sitting there on that motorcycle. You look, you, you look lovely. What would you do to become Miss NWO? And then he holds the mic up to her face, and she goes, "What? whatever it takes, I guess. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're a minx, aren't you? What an answer. Oh, that's awesome. This just It just it keeps happening. This is the best one. He goes to a woman after the third or fourth match who, again, I'm sure she's a lovely person. I'm not knocking her, but she is at least 50 years old, and I'm not exaggerating. Sure. And he says, oh, look at you. You know, you're, you're seasoned, aren't you? Look at you. OK, so um, what's the question? Hang on. I wrote this one down because it is so specific. OK. He walks up to this woman. He says, oh, look at you. You're like a fine wine. You just get better with age. And he holds the mic up to her, Mark. What do you think that she says? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. It's a trick question. She says, pardon? I can't. I can't hear you. <laughs> Which would be very funny if that's what they had like scripted her to say because the joke is she's old and the NWO is trashy. They didn't script it. She just can't tell what he's saying. This happens oh multiple gosh. times. Like they will be asked a question, but oh. like the mic is only wired into like the TV feed and not the arena. So the contestants literally can't hear what they're being asked half the time. They just go, what? I'm sorry. Multiple times. And like, they kept doing this. Yes. Like this was a recurring segment. They didn't realize like after like the second one, they're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing and let's not do this anymore. Well, no, because it was designed to be like one of the big pitches of the show was we're going to get all these crazy gals in here and who knows what they're going to do to be Miss NWO. Except it's just all these like rather nice, plain looking women from Iowa wearing leather jackets and sitting on motorcycles and like not knowing how to deliver on camera at all. Like, you know, <sighs> you know how like WWE will have guest stars but they're Hollywood actors, so they don't really know how to like project and perform for a live wrestling audience. And you can see that disconnect. Sure. Now imagine that disconnect, but it's a person who's never had any acting experience at all on any level. <laughs> that's uh, what we're yeah. dealing with here. Yeah, no, that's that. Uh, that's that's fair. M- Mark, these women make Claire Lynch look like Robert De Niro. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, no, that's so much worse. Why do you have to put that in there? That's such a that's like the worst possible analogy. Oh, my gosh. I just I can't think of anything else to compare it to. So, oh, man, these are the three elements that we're juggling throughout this entire show. In the interest of fairness, I'm going to point out at least a few things that happened that I did enjoy. They're not quite as fun as Arn Anderson getting clocked with a bucket on his head, but they are well, pretty few fun. are few are right. So number one, this is actually pretty genuinely funny. They have a match. The, the fifth match on the show is a match between Scott Norton and Diamond Dallas Page. Scott Norton is in the NWO. 
DDP is very much not. And the reason this match, it's not a great match. None of these matches are really like good in the ring. But commentary is less annoying for this match because they really, really, really want DDP to be in their faction. Right. And instead of ripping him and making fun of him the whole time, they keep like they will actually say, oh, that's a great maneuver. Oh, this guy's really crafty. Oh, look at that athleticism. It's a shame he's not one of us. Like, See, that's, well, th- actual... that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And apparently, like what had happened was earlier that week, they had offered him a chance to be part of the NWO. And it was this great moment, you know, where like he shook their hand and then boom, diamond cutter out of nowhere. You that know, and he right there is and... the single thing that basically made started making DDP as right. a superstar. Well, the NWO at this point is this like massive conglomerate of a lot of boring heels and one or two cool ones. So DDP is like super over because he's the guy who's like, no, 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 I want no part of this fight the power. You know what I mean? Like people like that a lot. So the entire match, the commentators are still mad about this and they continue to, you know, say, oh, man, I just I really wish we could get this guy. You know, he's so good. I can't believe he turned us down. That's such a shame. And DDP is so good as a wrestler that he's starting to get the upper hand even with the ref doing his very best to try and slow him down and cut him off at the knees, you know, over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And he's about to have the match won. Like, he he hits a, you know, he hits a big move, he signals the diamond cutter, and then Buff Bagwell starts making his way down to the ring and saying, hey, 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 buddy, listen, 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 Diamond Dallas Page. And then he just gives him the sales pitch again. He's like, listen, man, we really want you to be in the NWO. We think you're really cool. You're really athletic. What do you say, man? Just put the shirt on, right? And DDP looks at him and looks around, and like there's three or four other members of the NWO there, but they're all like D-level guys, you know? Like right. Virgil, I think, is there, and like a bunch of people I didn't even recognize. Uh, no, no, no. Vincent. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> whatever dude. you know it's all people like that it's all people that have been in both companies like in the last two years and nobody cares about and ddp looks around and says hey you know what me and those other guys you know we we had a misunderstanding and i can be a little hot-headed but uh yeah man it's cool it's cool i'll join up and then he takes the t-shirt and he puts it on and buff bagwell's like awesome yeah great good to have you and then ddp looks at scott norton diamond cutter out of nowhere and then he just beats up all of the members of the nwo (laughs) and runs off like he just did it again that's awesome (laughs) it's pretty hilarious he looks around and he's like all right well these idiots are dumb enough to try this exact same thing twice right i'm just gonna hit them with it again and they do and as he like he runs off through the crowd and the crowd just loves it they're eating it up it's the most they popped all night like two hours into a three-hour show And Buff Bagwell hilariously gets on the mic and tries to save face. He's like, I tell you what, you'll you'll never be a member of the NWO. Never. And we're like, yeah, dude, that's kind of the whole thing. That's why he did. (laughs) It's like a girl breaks up with you and you're like, I didn't want to go out with you anyway. It's like, dude, it's too late. You already like you put yourself out there. You got shot down. You're you're in trouble. Uh, The other fun thing that happens is um, the Steiner brothers have a match with the outsiders for the tag team titles. And okay. that's actually like it's not a great oh, yeah. Th- match. Th- this is a, this is a pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. But it's a good. You know, you see it on paper, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a pay per view match. And like it is, it's a lot of fun. And like the Steiner brothers kind of figure out that the ref is against them, 
and they kind of start to cheat back in their own ways, which is pretty fun. So like Scott will fake like he's about to run into the ring and break up a tag or like, you know, break up a maneuver. The ref will turn around, stop him, like turn his back to him. And then Rick will just low blow Scott Hall just very blatantly while the ref's not looking like it's classic heel tag team stuff except the actual heels have been cheating all night and the ref is on their side. So it's like a baby face move, right? It's kind of fun to watch it play out. And eventually the NWO accidentally knocks out their ref, the only ref that they have for the entire show, right? Scott Hall goes for the pin, but there's nobody there to count it because he knocked the ref out and there aren't any other refs because the NWO only has one ref. (laughs) Right. So again, like it's normally a babyface problem, you know, like, no, get another ref out there. This isn't fair, except it's funny because it's happening to the bad guys. And then one of the WCW referees who bought a ticket hops the barricade, slides into the ring and gestures to the Steiner brothers like, huh? Huh? What do you think? Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> sure. OK. So he counts to three, gives them the tag team titles and they just run off. <laughs> And that's Amazing. also pretty fun because you get the same moment of like vindication where the heel announcers are just outraged. Sure. But can't do anything about it, you know, and he's like, I'll just I'll speak to the championship committee and we'll get this overturned. But it is a fun like baby faces come out on top moment. Uh, we're going to go back. We're, we're going to circle back into the downhill direction now because they clearly kind of mm-hmm. ran out of juice in terms of their booking ideas at this point. Um, Eddie Guerrero fights six. Yeah. Which is of all the WCW monikers, probably the worst one. He fights him in a U.S. title match. It's a ladder match. Um, it's a fine match. Eddie Guerrero like wins by hitting him with the title. So they can say, you know, Oh, the baby face wins. But we're going to reverse the decision on Monday because he cheated because he hit him with the title as he pulled huh, it down. That's the, an interesting you know. thing to bring up. That definitely won't happen with any of matches uh, that happened on this show. <laughs> no, no, never, never again. The only reason I bring that up is to say the NWO announcer bills him as the Mexican jumping bean when he makes his entrance. <laughs> and yeah, that was pretty funny. I got a kick out of that. Oh, that's 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 horrible and great. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only those are the good things that happened. Those two matches and that one entrance. And now, mercifully, we approach the end of the show. It's been a lot of mediocre matches, one or two sort of fun ones. And now it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for. It's time to crown Miss in W. Great. At this point, the, the announcer comes back out. And now he decides to reintroduce all the contestants by name, which is the first time we've heard their name all night. Otherwise, they've just been random generic women sitting on bicycles. Right. So he has them each come (laughs) one by one, like to the middle of the ramp, stand in front of him while he like talks about them and their bio like flashes on the screen. And their bio is like occupation, hobby, eye color and measurements, you know. Okay. Which, again, would lead you to believe, like, oh, we're really trying to crank up the sex appeal here, except they're almost all just very average-looking women. And, again, that's not a statement of judgment. I am a very average-looking person myself. But it's like, if the point is to be trashy and objectify these women, wouldn't you pick, like, super – I don't know, women who are more easily objectified and less – 
you completely would, devoid of any charisma whatsoever. I don't know. Just a thought. You, you would think. Yes, but you would think. You, you would think. So the guy says, okay, number one, it lists all of their occupations as they stand up, you know, and kind of wave to the crowd or curtsy or do whatever it is they want to do because they've been given no instruction at all on how to behave. Um, two women, Mark, I don't know if this is a glitch or not, but two different women are listed as grain inspectors <laughs> for their occupation. Yeah, I think and that's a real job. I, like any any other time, I might think, oh, they accidentally listed their occupation twice. But I genuinely think what happened is they just put out a call for like random real women and two women who work together at the grain store were like, sure, let's do that. I really think that's what happened. I, I anyway. think you're right. But after he calls the women up one more time, he says, now, folks, the choice is not up to you. Uh, and it's also, unfortunately, not up to me. The choice is up to the man himself, the king, Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff kind of saunters down to the stage. And he takes the time to explain that these women were chosen. Um, actually, a lot of them are from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, because then they wouldn't have to pay for their plane ticket and they wouldn't have to pay for their hotel because Bischoff certainly wasn't going to do that. Right. So that's the main reason a lot of these women were chosen. But the other reason these women were chosen is because they all have their own sweet hog. And who doesn't love a woman on a wild hog? Uh, yeah. So they literally – the entire reason these women are here is not because like they're really good at conveying this kind of trashy sexuality that the brand was theoretically trying to sell. And not because they're talented actors or performers in any way. They literally just live in the area – and own a motorcycle. And that's really why they were chosen to be the co-main event of a wrestling pay-per-view. That's genuinely what happened. So he goes up and down and he asks he asks one or two of the women a secret question that only they hear and only he hears their answer to. And then he chooses a woman named Miss Becky to be crowned the first ever NWO. Yay. And She's not a looker. I don't know how else to say this. I hope, Miss Becky, you're not listening to this. Uh, she seems lovely enough, but it's like the dumpiest one with the dumpiest grandma haircut and big old glasses. Like a half-hearted shot of pyro goes off when she's crowned the winner. They put a sash on her. It's upside down. <laughs> and then they tell her, like... <clears throat> and then they have her parade around the ring. She just kind of walks and, like, doesn't have any stage presence doesn't know what she's doing just walks and literally you can tell like the cameraman is like telling her like okay you need to wave you need to wave like look at people look up you know it's it's terrible she takes a lap around the ring it's the most boring thing you've ever seen in your life and then she makes her way back up to the ramp and sits down on her throne which is literally a giant toilet wait a minute i'm not wait not wait, wait 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 um what it's literally it's a toilet painted black and like the tank half of it the back half of it is like comically oversized like a cartoon but i'm pretty sure the actual seat that she sits on is an actual toilet that they painted black and then the rest of it is like comically oversized so that there's no doubt in your oh, mind no. that it's a toilet 
<sighs> the coolest faction in wrestling, everyone. I'm going to end on this line from commentary, and then we're going to talk about the main event. Where Ted DiBiase looks at this woman making out with Eric Bischoff on a toilet and says, just goes to show nobody does it better than the NWO. Uh, what does he mean by that? I don't know, but that's kind of the problem. That's the whole show in a nutshell, is that image of a woman sitting on a toilet while Ted DiBiase says that line. That's that's the show in a nutshell. So we make our way to the main event. Bischoff and, um, and DiBiase can't stop talking about how, you know, Hollywood Hogan's going to end this show on a high note. You know, I know we had some bad luck with these other wrestlers winning when they didn't deserve to, but now Hulk Hogan's, he's going to, he's going to win and he's going to do it for the NWO. And he's fighting the Giants, who we've, we've covered other matches between Hogan and the giant on this show before. Look, we, some of them we up. have, yes, we have. And the whole story is just that the giant as a member of the NWO dared to ask for a title shot and was immediately beaten up humiliated and kicked out of the nwo right naturally so you know i guess he's the baby face in this situation the crowd doesn't really care because you know it's big show and that hasn't really changed but they're kind of you know they're rooting against hulk hogan because goodness if you sat through this entire show wouldn't you hate the nwo too yes oh man i'd say they were successful at least as far as that goes so say after after an entire three-hour pay-per-view of the bad guys cheating and the ref helping them win and usually getting away with it, guess what they do for the main event? I, I At this point, I shudder to think. The bad guys start to cheat. That's oh. right. The giant starts to get the upper hand, and wow. then Hulk Hogan is about to lose. There, there's trouble, so the outsiders come running down, and then they start to beat up. The, well, no, I'm sorry. I, I take it back. First – you get the entire like NWO roster that we saw up until this point, like the entire lower card who already got beaten up by DDP. Once they come running down one by one to try and make the save. And of course the giant choke slams one and then he choke slams another and then he choke slams another. And then Eric Bischoff on commentary says, I got to get down there. I got to get down there. I got to help him. And then he just disappears. Okay. And then you see him come sprinting down to the ring holding a guitar, like an acoustic guitar, painted black with the words NWO on it. He gives it to Hogan. The outsiders have showed up and are now beating up Big Show to, like, lukewarm reactions, booze from the crowd. Bischoff gives Hogan the guitar. Hogan slides into the ring, starts cracking the giant with the guitar. It doesn't break immediately. Uh, okay. But eventually it does like it's gimmicked, but not super well. So it looks like it really hurts. Actually, he's cracking him over the back with it over and over and over again. The rest of the roster is down there now, like the rest of the NWO roster, just kind of looking at one another and cheering and celebrating. There hasn't been any commentary for like the last five minutes. Because first <laughs> Bischoff ran down there with a guitar. Then at some point, Ted DiBiase also decided to join in. So the last five minutes of the show are just complete silence from the booth, which is pretty Even hilarious. Better. Yeah. They were just like, I got to go. I got to get down there. It's this real frantic, you know, like every all hands on deck sort of situation. They're all down there. 
Big Show is just dead. Everyone beat him up. They hit him with a guitar 17 times. Ted DiBiase provides the spray paint. They spray NWO for life on his back. And the crowd, the crowd's not stupid, okay? They know the bad guys. It looks bad. The bad guys are winning. They've been winning the whole show. But here's something I didn't mention. Earlier in the show, they looked up into not quite the rafters, but the upper deck, like one of the tunnels at the top of the arena. And Sting is in the building. It's confirmed. Like some of the baby faces are here for matches because they're, you know, they're brave but stupid, I guess, like every other wrestling baby face is. Right. Sting is here. He's not announced for a match, but Sting is the guardian of justice in WCW. He's keeping an eye on these guys. Surely now is the time he will make his appearance. We saw him here earlier tonight and the crowd starts chanting, we want Sting. We want Sting. We want Sting. And it's a great moment. It's a great setup. Like the entire arena is super into it, right? Uh, yeah. And then the show ends. The show ends with NWO just beating up the giant. Hulk Hogan looking at the camera and saying, this is how we do it, brother. NWO is for life. And everyone else in the ring goes, yeah, NWO for life. Woo, too sweet. And then the show ends. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? That's it. It just, like, the credits start to roll. But. that That's it. But, uh, okay. Like, at some point, the live crowd just figured out, wait, they're actually done. Nothing else is going to happen. This is the worst thing I've ever paid money to see in my entire life. And then presumably a lot of sad, pissed off people just went home. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Like, look, again, this doesn't have the baffling level of like zany match to match chaos that the pay-per-view we talked about last week does. It's just one bad decision that poisons the entire show to its core. The idea of, oh, we'll try to have our popular wrestling faction host their own show and lead that into a transition between like edgier products. That makes sense on paper. The execution of it was absolutely atrocious. And when you talk about how like, you know, a lot of the things that brought WCW down were not their fault. You know, it was the time Warner merger and things like that. That's definitely true. But at the same time, it is so abundantly clear, even in 1997, that WCW is broken because at this point, the NWO has gotten so big and so stupid that they've lost the ability to tell any coherent story. That's what this entire pay-per-view is. Like The reason the NWO blew up as a faction in the first place was because it was Hogan and Hall and Nash, and they were really cool, tough, bad guys. Yeah. When you've added Buff Bagwell to that team without changing the team, you have lost what made the team special. And this is the moment where it becomes abundantly clear that the NWO is just this Goliath with no direction, no intention of making really anybody look good. And there's no payoff and there's no salvation coming. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible pay-per-view. I don't recommend anyone watch this pay-per-view. I do recommend you watch the segments 
with Miss NWO just to fully appreciate, honestly, how good every modern performer is because they're actual performers. Right. And two, <laughs> watch the DDP moment, like the DDP match, because it's just a fun, like everyone in the building except for the stupid heel knows it's coming turn. But it's pretty fun. The crowd pops pretty big for it, and it's actually entertaining. That's the only thing all night that was actually entertaining. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, man. Well, that was fun. It was and something. Very, very long. But uh, that was yeah, a long show. That. We, that was a long show. We had a lot to, lot to cover in that for sure. But all right. If you stuck it out with us. Not that you had You're quarantined this week yeah, to listen to. I was it. like, it's not fine. that, not that you had anything else to do. So stop complaining, all of you, complaining about long episodes. Most people want longer episodes of podcasts, to be honest. So there you go. You're welcome. But anyway, that'll do it for this episode. Make sure and go and check out the "You Cannot Kill David Arquette" trailer, and you can see that on our Facebook page. Well, no, I take that back. Not on our Facebook page. I didn't put it there. On our Twitter page, at behind underscore gorilla. It's also on our Instagram page, which is the same thing, at behind underscore gorilla. So give us a follow there. Follow back wrestling fans, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well. And uh, yeah, go check out our backlog of episodes. We got 95. This is now, this is number 96. So 96. Oh, uh, man. Crazy, um, ridiculous, stupid, insane things of wrestling. And we're nowhere near covering all of them. That's how, that's how many of them that there are so go back and have fun with that as you sit at home quarantine for the next couple of couple of weeks we'll all get through this together it'll 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 be better at some point not sure when that is but hopefully sooner rather than later all right thanks so much for listening guys and uh make sure to leave us a review on itunes that'll that'll help those always help too thanks so much for listening guys and we will talk to you next week